Retro Hangover is supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We would especially like to thank our 16-bit tier subscribers, Lyle McCarns and Ashton Ruby. Your continued engagement and generous donations are deeply appreciated. Thank you. Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to episode 67 of Retro Hangover. Hello, retro and classic gamers. Welcome to the podcast where we pretentiously preamble, possibly putting in place possibilities that pass through the portable potbelly pigs. This is episode 67 of the Retro Hangover podcast. I am your co-host, Chris Copleen, and with, as always, your host, Shane Huge Dick Dragon Success Koski. That's right. Go ahead and go ahead and make a note of that right there. He made a note. Huge, huge success. Made a note. Huge success. Yeah. <laughs> I had something else in there, but he did what he must because he can. Because I can. Because he can. That's right. Man, you guys totally haven't heard all of these lines before, right? This is this is like the this is like the that one kid in your like high school class that just would not stop quoting Monty Python and the Holy Grail, which by the way, uh secret that was me. Uh, but anyway, you could say that How you doing, Chris? You could say the memes are still alive. I am doing great. This might be the cringiest episode that we've done so far. <laughs> we'll just have to make it worse in the future. It's it's there's plenty of room for cringe, but we have to set we have to set what we can. And oh, the brief history is going to get even worse. That's true. Oh, no. Also, what the hell was that? Are the cops at your house? No, it's my phone telling me I'm going to die, apparently. Uh, oh, cool. Because there's a severe thunderstorm in the region. Because this is Florida. So That's right. <laughs> if there's an immediate jump cut somewhere in the near future of recording, you'll know why my power is out <laughs> or Shane's power is out. It's going to be great. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, middle to late afternoon in Florida, and therefore it's the 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 guaranteed rain is coming. So chaos ensues. In any case, yes, yeah. Shane, I'm doing great on this uh, recording day, where we are going to be talking about the fantastic game that is Portal. But before we get into that, as we always do, because I'll save what I typically would say in that segment, or we do for later for you to say. Uh, this is very embarrassing. Because oh, it's very kind of yes. You. And if you're a long-time listener, you know what I'm saying. In any case, Shane, hmm. how have you been doing and what have you been playing lately? Uh, <laughs> uh, it's been interesting. Um, and I feel like I'm putting that mildly. But last couple of weeks uh, since since the last episode came out, honestly, been a little, a little rough here at the at the homestead. Um, just a oh. whole bunch of really great things all happening at once uh, in addition to you know, the the world literally being on fire, just a lot of like personal stuff, just things breaking around the property that this is the beauty of home ownership, by the way. It's just like, you know, 
when when one thing starts breaking down, then they all do in some sort of like twisted sense of solidarity, I guess. I don't know. But we um we were without AC for about, I don't know, I think four or five days, uh, which is awesome when it's July in Florida, also known as the ass crack of the US. I thought we were Satan's tank. Uh well, you know, it's it's interchangeable really okay um but you know still applies one way or the other but uh yeah so that was totally fun but uh but yeah it's outside of that i i guess it's been all right we're, we've survived we're we're back um it actually did kind of push back our recording of this particular episode a little bit and we had to shuffle some stuff around but um but you know we uh i'm i'm still alive as it were you already did that shane come on now <laughs> i'm gonna bring it back again bring it back that's right um, but yeah, uh, so as far as gaming goes, uh, of course, you know, the, uh, the new season of Diablo three started just a couple of days ago. So I am back on that. Uh, I decided to roll a demon hunter this time because they got a new, uh, gear set with this season. That's pretty cool. Uh, so going to be working on that. Um, and of course, thanks largely in part to our Diablo two episode. I'm now also playing, <laughs> a couple of different characters uh, online with Diablo 2 so back into that as well and um somewhere in there still trying to slowly make progress on uh on the four job fiesta and ff5 but i am definitely way behind you and uh and patron lyle at this point so i got to i got to catch up here yeah you're you're slacking i am yeah but uh but that's pretty much it for right now um so what about you how how have things been going hopefully hopefully better than than things over here uh it's it's not going bad work has gone to full telework i'm not sure if that was the case last time we recorded which means you know i wake up and and do the regular work thing from home as many of you are probably doing so yes uh it's it's not that bad it's it's giving me more time to hang around with my kids at home kind of and uh cook meals and play video games so i've just been really playing the final fantasy 5 four job fiesta and it's been going pretty well i'm getting inching closer and closer to the end of the game which apparently lyle has not done yet i'm kind of shocked patron lyle hasn't completed it at this point he'd probably be dancing and telling us how great he's doing now this could all be different by the time this episode releases but that that's kind of what's going on I haven't really been getting into the Saga re-universe on the mobile app as much as I thought I was going to be, just because I, I beat its main story or what it has available to me in its main story. And just like Final Fantasy Record Keeper, once you get through those objectives, there's there's really not much more you can do if you've done everything else. And this just launched, so all that extra content that was there with Record Keeper by the time I got into it, isn't there yet with this app so i don't know where it's going with that but it has inspired me to play a saga game after i'm done with final fantasy 5 and i look forward to doing that maybe because it's one of those deep rabbit holes that can just go sideways well i was going to say that's that's probably a better use of your time frankly than than playing the mobile game because if you got through all the story content then all you've got left is just the grind the the ever-present endless grind yeah and yeah, it, it, and the difficulty is just weird in that game. It's hard to describe. I'm not going to go into it here. It's it's interesting, and if you know Saga, 
you can do it. But yeah, next game after Final Fantasy V now is probably going to be Romancing Saga Minstrel Song for the PS2. And I look forward to playing that. And that's about... Nice. That's about all I have. Really. Oh, yeah. College. I'm about halfway through my last college course. And people who watch our Sunday streams would know that on Twitch or our YouTube channel. So I'm almost done with college. Uh, it's it's right there. I can taste it. I just don't want to write any more papers. But the entire class is about writing a paper. So I don't I'm not terribly excited about this class. And I'm I, I just got to get through it. I just got to get through it. I'll be OK. And I'll be okay. I'll have my degree, and then I can. I, does does I it can be a big brain. does it does it taste like does it taste like cake? No, no, no. I mean, the entire idea that a degree tastes like cake is a lie, Shane. Oh, okay. That's that's good to know. So you broke my heart, and 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 threw it in pieces, mm-hmm. and threw it into, into a fire. A fire. <laughs> <laughs> this is terrible. Hey, did you guys know this whole episode is it's just going to be references to the fucking game the whole time? Yeah. <laughs> A song at the end of the oh, game. Oh, God. Uh, That's right. So, of, of course... Uh, it's not like that wasn't driven into the ground or anything. So, hey, let's uh, let's talk about the thing that we're here to talk about, huh? I don't even know who's reading the brief history today. This should have been discussed. This seems like something that's more up your alley, but it could be either of us the way I kind of view it. Uh, by the uh, way... You know what? Since we're deciding this literally on the fly, uh, I'll, you know what? I'll go ahead and do it. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, by the way, uh, I, I'm just going to start adding disclaimers because people this is mo- a more modern retro game for those who care. So uh, spoilers mm-hmm. for for Portal. If you don't already know, that's how the show works. We're just going to be talking about it and we're not really going to hold back about anything that happens in the game. So spoilers for this game, as we do every other game on this podcast. But now that you know, you know, you've been warned. All right. And with that being said, there you go. Shane. Yes. Why don't you give us a brief history of Portal? Humble beginnings sometimes beget overwhelming success. No other statement could more accurately describe the story of Portal. If you doubt us, just listen to the end. There there might be cake. In 2005, a small independent development studio called Nuclear Monkey Software created a game called Narbacular Drop. The premise of the game was simple, escape a dungeon using an opposing portal system. The game was released to little fanfare and largely ignored, with one notable exception, Gabe Newell. For those of you who may not know, Lord Gaben is the co-founder of Valve, you know, that company who made Half-Life, and uh, I guess some program called Steam or whatever, but that's not important. In any case, Lord Gaben stumbled upon Narbacular Drop during the annual DigiPen Institute of Technology career fair and made an offer that simply could not be refused. I've noticed the originality and ingenuity of your game, we are most assuredly certain, he said. Because I find it so intriguing, I will bestow upon you the source engine in all of its glory to remake this game in my image. You shall be successful in this endeavor, for I am Lord Gaben, and blessed be his name. And it was so. Nuclear Monkey Software was absorbed into the inscrutable gelatinous mass of profit generation that is Valve, and work began. They would take the core mechanic of Narbacular Drop and place it in the Aperture Science Laboratory's computer-aided enrichment center, officially tying it to the Half-Life universe. 
The resulting experience would be given the somewhat simple, perhaps unoriginal, but nevertheless ingenious name of Portal. Players would take the role of the silent protagonist Shell as she tried to make her way through the lab with the assistance of the Genetic Lifeform and Disk Operating System, or GLaDOS. While the game was relatively short, the gameplay and puzzles presented within would soon bring the title a whole smattering of critical acclaim. Interestingly, the game would not see a standalone release. On October 10th of 2007, Portal would be foisted upon an unsuspecting public as part of the Orange Box collection for Windows PCs and Xbox 360, which also included Half-Life 2 with its two additional episodes, and Team Fortress 2. We're still waiting for episode 3, Gabe. Get, get on that. The decision to make Portal a pack-in title was made largely due to Valve's uncertainty surrounding how the game would be received, and as such, whether it could stand on its own merits. To the undoubted pleasure of Lord Gaben, purveyor of summer sales, Portal was viewed by many as the best, or at least the most refreshing, game included in the Orange Box package, receiving an aggregate score of 90 on Metacritic. It would also go on to garner multiple end-of-year awards, with some publications giving it Best PC Game of the Year, or just Best Game of the Year, period. Sales, excluding Steam, are estimated to be around 4 million, making it not only a critical success, but a commercial triumph as well. And that is our brief history of Portal. Are you, are you still alive? I hope you weren't expecting cake. There will be no cake. The cake is alive. I, I was expecting cake. Shane, I, I need the cake. I want the cake. I was told there would be cake. Black Forest cake. Yes, specifically. with uh, It would be delicious and moist. Strawberries, yes. I mean, I was going to set up a party for you with all your best friends. But, you know. If I just lay in the prone position, the a, a party assembly member will come and, and take me to the party. That's right. Yeah. And I, okay. I would have brought your best friend companion cube, but you killed him. So murdered i murdered him and mm-hmm. threw him into a fire okay we gotta stop this okay we're stopping it <laughs> for now uh, sure to pick up later uh so portal yes portal 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 uh this game uh took a lot of people by surprise i think it really did i i don't really remember hearing about it much uh shane what was your what was your first experience with portal because i know you were big into half-life so i don't know if you you got into it when it when it released off the get or where, where did you wait a little while? Uh, so yeah, so that one's actually interesting because you're right. I I was well, I would say was I suppose am um, a pretty big Half Life fan because um, most of my gaming around that time was PC centric, as I've mentioned before. And I want to say, if I recall correctly, that I actually came to Portal a little bit later. So the timing on it is weird because I I remember getting Half Life Two basically on release and and I still have my original discs for that that just came in like it was like four discs to install it and they just came in like these little paper sleeves so I I, I never had a reason to pick up orange box because I already owned half-life 2 and so I was like well whatever I don't care about whatever this other stuff is so technically I think I actually came to it a little bit later on steam um, when it did eventually become its own sort of standalone product. Uh, which was like about a year later, it was in like April of 2008, I believe. So, so that's that's when I 
first came to it. I, I didn't get it through the orange box like I know a lot of people did. Okay. So, interestingly, yeah, I got it through the orange box. And it wasn't uh, – not when it first came out. Because I remember when it first came out, I was living down here in Jacksonville. But I didn't get it until I moved back up to Chicago. Mm-hmm. So, I'm trying to look it up. The orange box officially came out. Because I remember it being advertised for the, the Xbox 360 – and I, I told myself, I, I'm not into first-person shooters. I, I really don't care about first-person shooters. Sure. And then I kept hearing about Portal. Okay, 2007 was when it came out. So I kept on hearing about Portal uh, over and over and over again, uh, that how good it was. Game publications wouldn't shut up about it. It was memed into the very fabric of Facebook. <laughs> and everyone knew about the cake and the, the cake is a lie. It was everywhere. It was in media. Anything that was automated, you would hear it. And so I finally decided to get it. I think it was during a Steam summer sale in either 2010 or 2011. And I got it for like five bucks and I got the entire orange box. It's like, I will finally try out this Portal game. And that's the first time I really sat down and played it. Now, uh, this is where we, you know, talk about what we experienced with it. And one of the things I noticed about this game right off the get, and I, I still feel this way about the game and, I, I, maybe you feel the same way, maybe you feel a bit differently, mm. is I think it, it's a fantastic game. Don't get me wrong. I would really put it up there with the kind of game that it is, uh, the kind of you know type of game it is, or just any game in general. But it feels like it's a, a tutorial for far too long in comparison to the length of the game. Yeah, I mean, so I, I don't know. I, I, I guess my feeling on it is I agree with you to a certain extent that I, I kind of feel like um, – you, you, you almost feel like you've just finished learning how to play the game and then it's basically over. Um, mm-hmm. of course you're looking at it or we, I suppose are looking at it, you know, in retrospect. So we could easily say that perhaps this feels almost more like a tech demo in a way. Um, whereas portal two is like a much more fully fleshed out actual product which again, like you said, is not necessarily to detract from the original because I think there is value in a more compact experience. I mean, I mean, you were just saying we were talking before we started recording the show that um, a typical like long play of Portal is like maybe an hour, probably less. Uh, about forty minutes. You can do you can do a run through of Portal in less than an hour. You'll spend less time playing that game than you will listening to this episode. If you become really good at portal. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, you know, I, I suppose that's the benefit of it being sort of like this pack in with half-life two and episode one and two and team fortress two also is that this is kind of like, I guess it was like a nice bonus. And, and I don't even know, I suppose I could, I could probably look now, um, while we're talking, but as far as like a price point goes, I, I don't know what your value proposition is there really. Right. Because, that that's something that I think you and I have probably touched on before um, in, in different mm-hmm. discussions about various other games too. It's just like, is this worth what they're charging? You know, you know, are you going to get enough enjoyment out of it? And there's there's a fine line there because like I have made the argument before that there are some games that overstay their welcome, and you got to put eighty to a hundred hours into it, and I just don't have the time for that. And then you've got the other mm-hmm. extreme opposite end of the spectrum, which is kind of this where, um, 
you might run the risk of wondering whether <laughs> whether your money was well spent. For the record, by the way, um, while I was totally like vamping to get some length in here so I could look, uh, it is $1.99 right now. And that's not on sale. Totally that's, worth it. that's just the price. So so for a buck ninety nine, that's definitely worth your money. You could do a lot worse for that. And I would I would I would say yeah, dollar ninety nine is definitely worth it for Portal. Especially when you compare it to some other games that, that are really good but are really short, like the Stanley Parable. Right. Uh and it, it it's kind of feels like it's in that same vein of game. It very much feels like an independent game. It doesn't feel like uh Valve made it. It feels like this was developed by a small studio, and in many ways it was. But again, this is a Valve product. So when you even go back to say, oh, this game, is it worth the price or not? When this game came out in 07 with the orange box, like you're getting you're getting quite a bundle. You're getting quite a deal with everything that was in there because you were getting Half-Life 2. You were getting Team Fortress 2, which I think Team Fortress 2 kind of still lives to this day. I'm not sure, but it definitely lived well beyond the expectations of the orange box itself. So you got two other games that really had a long tail and really had a good fan base. And you know, as we said in the brief history, this was something that Valve tacked on just to see if it could be viable in that market. So is it worth the price? It was never really meant to be worth the price because you were never really meant to get it without getting the other content that was included with it. Right. It just became its own thing because of the quality uh, and the concept, the, more of the quality of the concept that was inside it rather than the actual length and quality of the game. But, of course, again, the quality of this game is, is very, very good. Yeah, and and I think, you know, it, it definitely benefited from um, kind of being picked up by, by Valve in that they, you know, the team Nuclear, Nuclear Monkey Software was, from yeah. everything I could tell, more or less like a group of students, I believe. And I could be wrong about that, but given that it was at DigiPen, I'm pretty sure it was just a student group that was kind of doing their own little indie thing. And like, if you go, if well, A, if you've played Narbacular Drop, then you know, or if you just go and look at some footage of it, um, I mean, it's, the the core conceit of the game is totally solid. The whole portal thing, that's that's solid. It's there. The presentation is a little rough. It kind of feels and looks kind of like a a spit-shined N64 game in some ways. So but but the important piece there is the mechanic. And that's really what, you know, Lord Gaben, blessed be his name, you know, Perfect. saw in it was that core piece. And then by providing them with the source engine, they basically had all of the Half-Life 2 assets at their disposal. And so they were, you know, basically kickstarted into having all of this really great presentation layer that they lacked in their own, you know, individual effort. And so with a really solid mechanic combined with, you know, really, really great at the time, cutting edge visuals, um, you had a pretty pretty decent recipe for success. And I, I'm, I, for one, I'm okay with the, the length, even though it is extremely short. I, I do still find value in compact experiences like that. And even, even in that short amount of time, I think it does tell a, a pretty, a pretty interesting and, and amusing, um, story, which, you know, is definitely, a. a, a you know, a benefit to, to the writers that they had involved there for sure. And, and yeah, and I would agree with that before we really talk about the story, I got to say we do reviews on old video games 
so let's say a game is 40 minutes like that would and say it <laughs> to discredit a game for being 40 minutes pretty much you would have to get rid of the entire nes library so yeah I it's, it's not bad <laughs> i suppose that's true it's not bad if you can beat a game in 40 minutes if you know what you're doing because i think it took both of us you said you know you told me offline that it was like three hours it took you it probably took me the same amount of time my first playthrough and that's yeah it's probably a little bit easier than nintendo hard games but um you know especially when we were kids and we got those nintendo games but there's nothing wrong with a 41 minute game especially if it provides you with entertainment and that's that's kind of the spirit of retro games when you really think about it so yeah let's talk about that story because secondary to the mechanics because i think the mechanics is what really drew people in but after they got done with the game they started really looking into the game the story that's there it's very well told it's not told in a traditional sense but it is very dark and it is it's it's told in such an entertaining and charming way that that's probably why not a lot of people really grasped exactly what may may not have grasped everything that was going on until like later in the game itself uh yeah yeah and that's that was kind of the the thing right is like experiencing that for the the first time you you don't know what to expect like at first it is mm-hmm. it is presented I wouldn't say 100% straight-faced because you kind of pick up on some of the, like, undertones of sarcasm from GLaDOS, like, pretty early GLaDOS, on. Yeah. But the, I think the magnitude of, of what you're, what you're uh, participating in as the main character does not become real apparent until you get towards the, the latter the latter portion of the game. So kind of seeing that evolve and, and the subtleties that they kind of put into, you know, the environmental details, like the further you go in the the testing rooms, you start to see like hints of things that are just not right. Like you see, you know, handprints on the walls in certain places. And then eventually you see like, you know, hints of blood streaks in other spots. And you start to wonder like, what the fuck is going on here? And it just starts yeah. devolving pretty quickly. And it's it's really jarring, too, because the, the first half of the game is very, very, very sanitized. Mm-hmm. It's very, you know, the, the very much white kind of hospital laboratory environment that you would expect very sterile. Do you feel you know, like a, just kind of a feeling of safety? And the more and more it gets into this environment where you, you start seeing that something very, very wrong happened there. The, the emotional reaction that I had initially when I saw it was like, holy shit, there is there's a lot more going on here than than the game is really telling us. And the game has been telling you this all along. Mm-hmm. If you go back and you replay it and some of the crazy shit that GLaDOS says and GLaDOS is amazing. Like that is the entire story is told by GLaDOS. Oh, yeah. And yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I, I could see why people loved her and why she was in Pacific Rim as a fucking fighting robot. That is <laughs> that is important. And GLaDOS needs to live forever. Yeah. And, you know, while we're while we're talking about GLaDOS, you know, we would be remiss to not mention the the voice actress for GLaDOS, which is Ellen McLean. And um, she mm-hmm. did a, a fucking amazing job with this. And. Honestly, I mean, apart from, you know, the gameplay mechanics itself and whatever, frankly, I, I think that she carried this entire game for sure. Um, her performance was uh, awesome. And also fun fact about uh, Ellen McLean as well is that uh, she's actually the only voice actress or actor slash actress to appear in every game that was available in the orange box, by the way. 
Oh wow! Yeah, Very yeah. Impressive. She was the uh, the Overwatch voice in Half Life Two. She was, of course, Glados and some of the personality cores and the Sentry turrets, and um, she was the announcer in TF Two. So she was in all three. Mm. Yeah, I do think um, one one of the, the the earliest examples of how dark this game gets too is the the weighted companion cube. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, that that's dark. And even the first time you play it. You may not exactly understand everything Gladys is saying, but if you listen very carefully, you you understand um, that there's probably a person inside of it. Because when you start to understand everything that Glados tells you is essentially a lie, right? And it's, it says, "Oh, this thing is talking to you," or if it tells you to stab you, or if it talks to you, is in your imagination, and disregard all advice that it tells you. You start to wonder exactly what kind of game you're playing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. And that's that is kind of the I guess technically it's still a theory because I don't know if it's been officially confirmed one way or the other. But um, that that is the theory that's been bouncing around for quite some time now that that actually the the companion cubes, because there there are more than more than one, um, Mm -hmm. are really just containers that uh, house the the remains of other test subjects that did not succeed like you did. Um, and fun fact about that, by the way, I did not know this. And for the record, I totally came across this information in a random YouTube comment. So, so thank you, uh, random YouTube guy. But, um, apparently, uh, the portal is something that you can play in Lego dimensions, not the game itself, but like the universe of portal is part of Lego dimensions. And evidently, if you break a companion cube in Lego dimensions, little Lego bones pop out. <laughs> I think that shows everything. Well, I have to remember too. I mean, you say that they weren't successful. So that doesn't necessarily mean that they're the remains of it. Cause remember GLaDOS says they talk to you now uh, through once you get to the second half of the game, GLaDOS, of course, she gets frustrated your character for not jumping into the incinerator and not uh, gleefully dying as she orders. Mm-hmm. And, she repeatedly just tells you to lay down on the ground and that, you know, someone like someone from the party uh, party commissioning or whatever it is will come and pick you up and take you to the party. Right. Like you have beaten it. Good job. We're going to we're going to come confiscate you. So you're not dead if you're in the prone position. So there's probably there's probably people that listen to GLaDOS and got thrown into a cube. Now, you could also say that the reason everything's so sterile and no one's in there. As you get to the end of the game, and of course, once you throw out the mor- morality chip, like Glados starts releasing, uh, releasing this neuron toxic gas. So it makes me wonder if the entire laboratory has already been eradicated by Glados. Now, I haven't played the second one, so plot details might be there, and you might know. But it very much insinuates Glados has already killed everybody inside Aperture, Aperture Science. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I won't go down that path because that's that's probably for another episode at another time. Um, but Portal Two does uh-huh. do a pretty great job of um, expanding on like the the backstory and and history of of the uh, of uh-huh. the facility itself. So, yeah. Um, but I don't think I don't think they knew that when they were making this game, they couldn't have known that it was going to be this much of a success to 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 write the story for portal two later i don't think that was the intention i don't i don't think so but i i do think that they did a pretty pretty stellar job of making it seem as though that was the case (laughs) because a lot of this just carried over into portal two pretty well so and the weird thing actually and that probably to prove your point anyway is um not to go into the other game too much but when they're they were having play tests done for portal two 
uh, initially you weren't even going to play as the same character at all. It was going to be a completely different um, uh, test subject. And also I think GLaDOS was more or less not going to be involved at all again. And so after, you know, they had enough people go in there and start playtesting and the feedback was, no, we, we, we want to, we want to play as, as Chell again, and we want to know more about what's, what's going on. So, so I think uh, that was something they kind of pivoted on, um, a little later in the game. Now gameplay itself, cause I do think gameplay is, is essential to why this game was considered to be so good, of course, in addition to GLaDOS. Yeah, I suppose uh, the we momentum probably based puzzles. should talk about that, right? <laughs> we we, we haven't bit. mentioned what the actual portal mechanic is at all. <laughs> right. So the idea behind this game, of course, is that you 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 can fire, and this happens about a quarter, what did you say, a quarter of the way into the game, because it takes a while before, before you get everything. Right. But you the, it, the as Shane would say, the conceit is to fire a portal blast into a wall and there's only certain walls you can fire it into and then fire an a polar color of that portal blast i guess and i i'm saying i'm really saying this terribly but you fire it in another location and you can walk through this portal and you can you know get to where you're going to through the portal and of course momentum carries you over uh, to create some momentum-based puzzles. So if you fall off a ledge and you fall into a portal hole, you'll get launched out of wherever that hole is, and it will help you solve these puzzles. A lot of good design, you know, a lot of a lot of thought, because prior to that, I don't think I can really think of a game that implemented mechanics like that so well. And it was brilliant, because this is not a first-person shooter. It's presented as a first-person shooter with pers- first-person shooter mechanics. But this is a puzzle game. It is not a first-person shooter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and so uh, the developers actually skirted that line a little too closely, I think, at the end, um, or at least initially, because the first first sort of like pass at the final showdown with with GLaDOS was way more like action-slash-combat-oriented, which ended up being a little too jarring, actually, for most playtesters because it is basically just a puzzle game up until that point. And then they started throwing a bunch of shit at the player at the end where, you know, you had to like dodge, uh, you know, turret guns and, you know, do the, the redirecting the, the missiles, which you still have to end up doing anyway. But the, you know, that in addition to that, plus they were also going to include a chase sequence at the end. And the feedback for that was mostly negative where they where playtesters were just like, let's just we would rather have a more puzzle based boss encounter because that feels more in line with the with the rest of the game. And so that's, you know, that's what you kind of ended up with. Speaking of which, um, this, you know, we're ta- we were talking about the companion cube a little bit earlier. Um, uh-huh. And again, of course, spoilers, I suppose. But you get to a point where you are kind of forced to toss your beloved companion cube into an incinerator. And that uh, was actually a pretty great design choice uh, from a gameplay perspective, because that was informing you. And it's, it's, it goes back to something I know Chris and I have talked about in previous episodes about other games where the show don't tell philosophy is always, always going to be better and in, especially for games yes. yes and in this case um that that applies as well where they initially didn't have that section in the game at all but they included it when they realized that this was going to be a good way to show the player 
the mechanic of, you know, needing to throw an object into that incinerator pod because that's, you know, a big part of the last encounter with GLaDOS. And up until that point, before they included the piece with the companion cube, um, players kind of got confused as to what to do at the end because none of that mechanic was communicated at all up until, you know, that very last boss battle. Yeah. And, th- and this th- this is something this that portal does masterfully is showing not telling mm-hmm. and that that's what you find in a lot of these puzzles is there's no puzzle that just does something obscenely obtuse that you have never seen before that it will not allow you to think uh, critically in order to find the solution uh, to the room to the situation and that's just I don't think there's a lot of that in a lot of mainstream video games there's a very there's a lot of obtuseness in a lot of mainstream games and of course we we've said this we've attributed this to game developers wanting to sell strategy guides Mm -hmm. and promote it in other ways or as miyamoto did with zelda uh, just (laughs) talk to your friends and figure it out why not fuck it um they'll they'll play it just uh make sure you have the instruction booklet yeah uh sorry reagan on zelda again i have no problem doing that but (laughs) Not a Zelda episode, but um, but that's the thing. You can go into Portal, and if you just sit back, take everything in, and think about how to approach it, because you have all the tools to do it, and the game give you gives you those tools, uh, you can be successful. And it, it can be hard, it can be difficult, but you don't you don't end up doing anything that you wouldn't yet you haven't been told that you can't do. And that's something I love about this game. It's it's and it's it's brilliant, but also to its detriment, because, again, I felt like it felt like a tutorial for far too long into the game. It just didn't let you go with all the tools it gave you. Yeah. And and so, yeah, like you were saying, I think the fact that it sort of builds upon the each mechanic that it like introduces over, you know, over time um, was done very well. And so you you do feel like you are equipped to solve the problem. Um, it's just a matter of really coming down to the player's, you know, deductive reasoning to try to figure it out, which I think is far, far better than just being obtuse for the sake of being obtuse, like burning a random bush somewhere to find, you know, a hidden staircase mm-hmm. or something, you know, just random, ex- Again, attacking just random Zelda. example, you know, from nowhere. It's in, always in Zelda. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, I was, I was actually just, just absolve Zelda of its fate. Pick, pick another mainstream game, popular mainstream game. Uh, uh, Resident Evil does it all the time. There we are. Then it's not just okay, Zelda. Great. Okay, great. Resident Evil, fuck you too. <laughs> great. Well, now we've pissed off two fan bases, <laughs> so I don't know if that's better or worse, but, um, but yeah, no, to your point about the tutorial thing, um, I, I, you know, I went back and played this again, uh, today, the day that we're recording this, because as we said, it doesn't take very long. And, um, I forgot actually just how long it takes to get to, um, the point where you have all of the, the tools at your disposal. Like you, you, you start out not even having the portal gun at all, and then you pretty quickly pick it up, but then you're only able to shoot one portal and then the the companion portal to it is just in a preset location in whatever test room you happen to be in. And it's not for quite a while, I would almost say almost like two thirds of the way into the game before you actually get the upgrade to your portal gun to where now you are in control of both your uh, uh, entry and exit portals. So that was surprising to me. I that would say that's that about long. halfway. 
It's about halfway just because the, the ladder puzzles do can go on for quite some time. I guess so. Yeah, I suppose that's true. I'm just looking maybe, at it from even, like a maybe number a third of the perspective way. because there's, okay. I think, 19 test rooms in the game and you get the upgrade to the portal gun somewhere. Right? What was it like? I don't even know. 14, 15, like 10. Yeah, it's about it's about halfway through. It's about like 10 or 11 because mm. I'm on I, I, I went through and I played it, you know, today as well, just to go back and play it real quick. Because it's not a long game, you can you can get most of it as we've said. You can get most of it real quick. Yeah, see what it's like. I'm already in like test room 15. I only played it for like 20 minutes, <laughs> and yeah. Um, well, so and, uh, I, I took a little I bit had longer. Three rooms with that with both guns because uh, I took a little bit longer because I um, in my my playthrough today I, I actually wanted to try to get the achievement for the uh, radio transmissions. So, because I didn't get that last time. So, real quick on that, there, there's a couple of like tertiary achievements that you can get in the game um, that will add like an extra layer of complexity to it. Because if you are just like straight shotting this game, then yeah, you can totally get it done in like 45 minutes or whatever. But much in the same way as I think, what was it like a, there's something else in Portal 2. Was that one that had the gnome? I don't know. At any rate, there is a radio that is located in every one of the test rooms in this game, and some of them have multiple radios, and you need to be able to find the radio and then carry it to a specific location in the test room to like uh, hear a, a signal. Usually it's like a Morse code or some kind of um, cryptic beeping or something. So there's an achievement to do that. So I was trying to do that this time around. So it took me a little bit longer. But even doing that stuff, it was only like maybe a couple hours. Yeah, there's, there's there's not really much to it. Uh, as good as 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 it is, I, I I have to keep saying that because every single time, yeah, there's not very long. Yeah, it's really short. There's not much to it. It's it's still really good. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it it obviously left people wanting more. And and actually, development of Portal Two began almost immediately after the release of the Orange Box, and uh, you know, Valve realized that they had a a huge hit on their hands. So didn't take too long to to come around to the sequel either. Um, so I guess one of the other things we should probably talk about real quick, just cause I thought it was funny, um, is of course the cake, right? So as we all know, uh, the ever present, cake. yes, as, as we all know, it is in fact a lie and that's something that a whole lot of people have just been spouting off as a quote for way too long. Um, but, but the cake isn't a lie. The cake is not a lie, but, but is it though? Is it really it's not a lie? Well, at any rate, the uh, the the genesis of the cake itself is actually kind of entertaining. So, um, according to some reminiscence uh, from Eric Wolpaw, who was one of the writers on Portal, he was talking about how this came around, and evidently they had a, a way more like high minded concept for this, where the the dev team like got together as a group and wanted to discuss what either what philosopher or school of philosophy they wanted to base their game on. And after about like 10 or 15 minutes of just pure silence and no one having any ideas, someone just kind of piped up and was just like, uh, well, a lot, a lot of people like cake and that's, that's, that's it. <laughs> that's literally it. That's the story of why there's a cake in this game. By the way, I mean, do you think the cake is a lie? Cause at the end there's a cake. So I think that's, that that's, that's a weird thing, right? It, it, it makes me think at least because the entire times GLaDOS is saying, okay, there's, there's going to be cake. Congratulations. You'll get cake. 
You're like, there's no cake. This bit, this fucking robot's crazy. Right. It wants to kill me. It wants me to fail. You beat the game, and there's a cake next to a weighted companion cube. That's right. Well, I mean, she, you know, she did say that she was going to throw a party for you with your best friend. Not that you have any yeah. other friends because your personality is awful and it says so in your profile. Didn't it say it's because she's an orphan? No one likes her. I think that was a quote. In the <laughs> it was something about her like terrible personality and something. Also, one of the, like, yeah. the, the lines that uh, GLaDOS says when you're tossing her pieces into the incinerator has to do with that, too. She was just like, oh, that piece wasn't important. It just manufactures shoes for orphans. <laughs> That that's the other thing is like uh, I we've kind of sort of sideways mentioned it or whatever, but definite kudos to the the writers because despite the fact that this stuff gets quoted into the fucking ground, like the the actual writing for the dialogue is is pretty spot on. There, there's a reason it gets quoted into the ground, sure, because it was so no one expected writing like that. Yeah, no one had ever really done writing like that. Just so off-putting. Like, it'd be so normal. And then all of a sudden, be like, what the fuck did she just say? <laughs> like, yeah, what? You, you didn't really get anything that dark in it. And that's, I think, the, the, the sterility of the environment. Going back to something I said earlier. The sterility of the environment that you're introduced to. And how just normal and just kind of clean everything is. That the fucked up things that GLaDOS says, like, just add to the oddity and the surrealness of the environment. And there's there's it's just an amazing package of writing, of environmental development, of progression and telling additional stories and of gameplay mechanics that I can understand why people just absolutely love this game when it first came out in 2007. Oh, yeah. And why people still love it to this day. Yeah, there's there's definitely a reason why so many people kind of like latched onto it for sure. And the, real quick, um, just a note about because you you brought it up a couple times about how the environment is just so like clean and, and sterile, and it's interesting because it might actually have been somewhat of a happy accident in that um, originally, like in the first sort of iteration of of the game, there was actually way more environmental objects and just stuff that were in the the different levels and um the dev team ended up taking most of it out because again um thankfully there was a lot of play testing going on with this and one of the things that they continually got in feedback and also just watching people play test the game was that um a lot of players were mistaking those environmental objects as things that were supposed to be part of the puzzle to solve. I think much in the same way that people do that exact same thing in like escape rooms, for example, um, where, you know, the escape room employees always have to come over the, the, the PA system and just be like the, the chair is not part of the puzzle, leave it alone. You know? So in that uh-huh. same way, they were seeing that same problem. And so they ended up just taking a lot of it out and it left you with this very clean, sterile environment, which just gave you basically just the necessities that you needed to to solve the room and move on. So it's interesting that you talk about that, you know, that there's this kind of um, weird dichotomy between how the environments are presented and then the really like off the wall, slightly off-putting things that GLaDOS starts saying, um, because I, I think actually that was just sort of a, a positive coincidence of, of testing feedback, which is cool that it worked out that way. 
I also, uh, as much as we've been talking about GLaDOS too, I also want to say how much I love the uh, little turrets and the stuff they say. <laughs> yeah. Put me down. <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> I see you. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, it's everything is everything is so good. It's it's. I don't know. Just my sense of humor. I love it. Oh yeah. And apparently I was not alone. No, no, definitely. But I think. Uh, anything else you really want to say about this game before we go into whether or not it holds up? No, I think I think that's I think we're good. Okay. So, um, Shane, does yeah. this game hold up today? Um, yes. Yes, as a matter of fact. Um, you can you can definitely still play it today. And like you said, even if you didn't get it as part of a pack in deal with the orange box or, or what have you, I mean it's like a buck ninety nine on Steam, so it's really it for the cost of a inexpensive cup of coffee you can have a pretty great, you know, little compact narrative puzzle experience. So yeah, absolutely. And by the way, um, and this is mostly to Valve's credit really, but the Source Engine still holds up like extremely well even today. And so this game, when you crank up all the visuals, because most people can now, um, our computers can handle that stuff, uh, it Uh still looks great too. So it's got that going for it. I would agree with everything you just said. Even on my and my my gaming laptop, and well, my gaming laptop was came out in like 2017, 2018. So yes, it looks amazing, and everything I just said, you know, how it is a tutorial for for a little too long, and how it's it's really short, a very short game. I really don't think you could have done this game better. Mm-hmm. This is this for me is almost a ten out of ten game. This is an amazing game. That if you just have a little bit of time to spare, it's also like the perfect adult game because you don't have to invest too much time into it to complete it. Uh, It takes a little bit of thinking or a lot of bit or just a little bit of thinking to get through it. So it's going to mentally stimulate you. And there's things to find in it uh, after you have completed it, as you said. And it doesn't take too long to go back and find those things. Not to mention it does have a very adult sense of humor, uh, a very mature sense of humor, and there are things that you you get into that you generally wouldn't if you were a teenager, and it doesn't really rely too much, if at all, on Twitch controls. So right there, you have a game that is, if you, if you are the working adult, if you are the professional adult, this is a game you should definitely check out. It definitely holds up, and you're going to have a fantastic time with it, and again, I don't know if they could have made this game any better conceptually at the time that they did. It, it seriously has held up gor- visually gorgeous as well. And that's where I'm going to leave off. Yeah. And, and just real quick on that point, too. Not only is it a short experience overall, so it kind of respects your time as the busy adults that unfortunately most of us are. But um, even uh-huh. within the game, because it is sort of logically broken up into these different test chambers, like even if you only have 10, 15 minutes to play or something, you can still hop in and probably finish one test chamber puzzle and feel a sense of accomplishment and then get back out. So it's even broken down to that level as well. Put it on Switch. <laughs> yes, yes, please. Everything needs to be on every, Switch. Every, everything else already is. I mean, that would be the perfect Switch game, though. You know, sit it's down true. a subway or... or, or you know, you're just traveling, you know, in between going back and forth to work on public transportation. There you go. Boom. Portal. Solve a room. And I it would just it would be perfect. It's a nice. It's the switch is the perfect companion cube for your life. Ah, there you go. Tying it all together. 
tying it together. All right. Well, uh, so I guess with all of that said, then um, I think we know where we stand on Portal. So we want to uh, thank you all for joining us on on this episode. And if this is your first time, then then welcome. And we hope you enjoyed your stay. Um, we do have a couple things that we like to plug real quick at the end of these episodes. Uh, we do have our Patreon running, so if you like what we're doing here, then please consider uh, going over there and taking a look at the different donation tiers if you'd like to support the show in that way. Uh, you do get access to some pretty cool stuff. Um, you get uh, access to our Patreon uh, Discord server, so you can come and chat with us and the other patrons. Uh, if you donate at one of the higher tiers, you also gain access to the exclusive audio content feed where we uh, do our rapid fire reviews and outtakes and bloopers from these shows. Uh, and and actually, if you go even further than that, and we want to, we, we, we shout them out at the beginning of the episode. But I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway, that we just want to give another extra special thanks to our current uh, patrons, uh, Lyle and Ashton. They have both stepped up their game and gone to an even higher level than they were before. Um, and the support is massively appreciated. And uh, because they moved up to the the Polygons tier from the 16-bit tier, they also got their hands on some pretty cool uh, exclusive magnetic bottle openers um with the uh the rhp logo uh on there in a special patron variant so uh so some cool stuff so you know feel free to check that out if you want to um and we do also have our merch store which has some new lines of items in there like uh gorp Gorp the the eggplant dragon Dragon. i'm sorry eggplant dragon (laughs) yes uh that whole line is there uh, and as well as, you know, some of the, the logo gear and, and other things like that. And that is at, uh, bit.ly slash RHP merch. So you can check that one out. Um, also I, I just realized I didn't say the, the URL for the Patreon stuff. So that's bit.ly slash RH patron. Um, and I'm going to let Chris touch on the, uh, couple other things before we, uh, shut this whole thing down. Yeah. Go ahead and find us on the YouTubes. Uh, just look up Retro Hangover on YouTube, and we're there. But we're on YouTube because of our Sunday streams that happen essentially every Sunday at 9 o'clock Eastern Time on Twitch. So join us on Twitch, everybody. We'll be there. Uh, We were thinking about going to Mixer, but Mixer died. So no more Mixer. Actually, we were (laughs) never thinking about going to Mixer. That's why Mixer died. But I just wanted to throw that just to say Mixer's dead. Ha, 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 ha. Bye-bye, Mixer. Um... And other than that, you can find us on all the social medias. So go ahead and find us on the social medias. You can also find me on Instagram. That's where I spend most of my time. And uh, because everything else is so, so negative during this time. So pictures of video games is always calming and soothing. So if you want to find me on Instagram, you can find me at the tag of at Zodiac, which is X-O-D-Y-A-K. And that is where I post pictures of my collection. And pretty much most of it goes over to the Retro Hangover podcast page. And every once in a while, we have big box PC stuff. Shane posts that to the Retro Hangover page. So go ahead, check that out. Give <laughs> us a like, make some comments, and we'll and we'll love that shit because we eat it up. At least I do. It, it gives releases that dopamine and it makes me feel like I have some value in my life. Please love. There you go. In any case, Shane, anything <laughs> else? Uh, no, I think that's about it. So uh, with, with all of that being said, until next time, play with your companion cube shaped Joy Cons. Shane here with a quick message. You know, the one rule Chris and I have always gone by regarding advertisements is this. It has to be something we use and can personally vouch for. If you know me, you know I love coffee. 
and Bones Coffee Company has been my go-to for home brewing for quite some time now. Their small batch beans come in an impressive variety of flavors like Mint Invaders from Chocolate Space or Electric Unicorn, which I swear tastes exactly like Fruity Pebbles. And the best part? No added sugar or calories involved, just natural flavors infused right into the beans themselves. Build your own sample pack of five four ounce bags to find out which flavors speak to you, or jump in head first with full 12 ounce bags. They've even got K-Cups. Step up your homebrew game with Bones Coffee by visiting bit.ly slash RHP Bones. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash R-H-P-B-O-N-E-S. 